You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kalaminstitute. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Shall I continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Asiratun Nabawiyah? In the previous session, we talked about in the last couple of sessions actually, we've been talking about a very important, transitional, and tragic time from the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that was Amul Huzn. The 11th year of prophethood, of preaching and teaching the message of Islam, the Prophet ﷺ is about 50, 51 years old. And at this time, of course, we discussed this over the last couple of weeks, he very tragically suffered the loss of his beloved wife of over 25 years, Khadija radiallahu anha. And he also lost his uncle Abu Talib, who was the man who had raised him from the age of eight. And so, and these tragedies occurred back to back. In some narrations, it says as close as five weeks apart, six weeks apart, and at the most, some narrations mentioned maybe two, uh, two months apart. So it was very, a very tragic time from the life of the Prophet Wasallam. And one of the things that I mentioned in the previous session was that the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentions in a narration, he actually, these are from, this is from the, word, from the words of the Prophet ﷺ himself. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَا نَالَتْ قُرَيْشٌ شَيْءٌ أَكْرَهُهُ حَتَّى مَاتَ أَبُو طَالِبٌ That Quraysh had not done anything very egregious. Like they, they had not personally, you know, got, gotten physical and confrontational with me until Abu Talib passed away. مَا زَالَتْ قُرَيْشٌ كَاعِنِينَ or one narration says, Ka'atan hatta tufiya Abu Talib. That Quraysh was still somewhat cautious and careful. They used to at least think twice about taking very drastic steps against the Prophet. ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ says in the first person, against me, until Abu Talib passed away. Because once Abu Talib passed away, basically, it, as far as the Quraysh were concerned, the protection of the Prophet ﷺ was gone. He was, he was basically open game, open season at this point. And so this was a very difficult time from the, from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. We talked about how immediately after the passing of Khadija and Abu Talib, the Prophet ﷺ didn't even come out of his home for uh, a few days, and he was overall a little more quiet. And it took him a little while to kind of recover and overcome this great tragedy that he had experienced. But nevertheless, eventually the Prophet ﷺ got back to preaching and teaching the message of Islam and doing what needed to be done. But at that time, because of Abu Talib no longer being there, and these people of Quraysh, the way they looked at it, the way they thought was that they were free to do whatever they wanted now with the Prophet ﷺ. They went on the attack, they went on the offensive, and they basically removed all types of hesitation, caution. They threw everything out the door, and they basically came at the Prophet ﷺ as hard as they could. And there are some very shocking incidents 
that are narrated to us authentically that occurred in the aftermath of the passing of Khadija and Abu Talib. Some of these might be familiar to a lot of folks because we might have heard them you know, here and there as isolated incidents. But what needs to be really be understood is that all of this was happening all at once, one after another. This became a daily event, a daily activity, a daily experience for the Prophet ﷺ. So when you kind of look at it in the grand scheme of things, and you kind of put it into the timeline and the context, and understand all of this was happening in close succession, every day something like this was going on, you can, you can just start to try to imagine the, the, how much it would wear someone out, how difficult it would be, how tragic it would be, how it would start to wear on someone. And so I wanted to share some of these narrations. One of the narrations says, Ibn Ishaq relates, مَرَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ فِيمَا بَلَغَنَا بِالْوَلِيدِ مِنْ الْمُغِيرَةِ وَأُمَيَّ بِنْ خَلَفِ وَأَبِي جَهَلِ بِنْ هِشَامِ That the Prophet ﷺ literally a couple of days after his uncle and his wife Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha had passed away, the Prophet ﷺ when he came out from his home and he was walking by, as he was walking around Mecca trying to maybe go and run some errands, take care of some responsibilities, doing what needed to be done. Remember, he is now a single parent, he is a father. He has children. Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha was still very young. She was a little girl by all accounts. So he's a single father raising a little girl on his own by himself. So the Prophet ﷺ goes out to take care of things and he passes by Walid bin Mughira, Umayyah bin Khalaf and Abu Jahl who were sitting there. So instead of just, you know, consoling him, Instead of just offering their condolences, you know, we heard about your wife, we heard about your uncle, we're very sorry. That's expecting too much from them. At the very least, just them at least looking the other way and saying, you know what, why don't we just lay off for a couple of days? Give the guy a little bit of a chance to kind of recover. The narration says, Fahama Zuhu. They started taunting him. And they started mocking him and making fun of him and ridiculing him because of his loss that he had suffered. And it bothered the Prophet. And I want us to appreciate this fact. It bothered the Prophet. That there's nothing wrong with the fact that something troubles someone. Someone is troubled by something, bothered by something, disturbed by something. You know, a lot of times when we talk about this, and I've said this multiple times, when we talk about, you know, how we react to adversity or difficulty, and we say, oh, you know, iman means nothing bothers you, nothing makes you sad, nothing gets you down. That's not realistic. That's not even human. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala acknowledges the suffering of the Prophet ﷺ, the pain of the Prophet ﷺ. It bothered him. But the question is, how do we respond? How, do we, how does one respond in that situation? How does one react to such behavior, such treatment? That's the question at hand. So the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it bothered him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed as a response to that, Surah Al-An'am, ayah number 10, Allah says, وَلَقَدِ اسْتُهْزِئَ بِرُسُولٍ مِّن قَبْلِكَ وَلَقَدِ اسْتُهْزِئَ بِرُسُولٍ مِّن قَبْلِكَ That without a doubt, they mocked other messengers that came before you. They mocked other messengers that came before you. And you know, there's something very profound in Allah telling the Prophet ﷺ, consoling him by saying that the other messengers just like you were mocked before you just as you are being mocked now. Because it gives, it makes a person realize that they're not alone.
that they're not alone. Allah is telling him, you belong to the fraternity, the brotherhood of prophets. You belong to the group of Anbiya and Rusul. And they suffered and they struggled and they were taunted and they were tormented by their people oftentimes. And so similarly, what you're dealing with is not something that never happened before. So not only does it console you in knowing that I'm not alone, somebody else has struggled just as I'm struggling. Secondly, it tells you that somebody else before you struggled in the same way. Which raises the question, creates the curiosity, well, what happened with them? So if there were messengers and prophets before Muhammad Rasulullah and they were also taunted and teased and mocked and made fun of by people before just as the Prophet is being taunted and teased now. But what was the outcome of that? You know, just like if, if you come down with some sickness, some illness, and somebody comes to you and says, you know what, don't worry about this, this is, you know, this occurs, and other people, you know, that brother, or that sister, that person, that person, they were also diagnosed with this issue, with this disease, this problem. Your first question is, well, what happened with them? What was the outcome? So, Allah, so the, Allah is creating that question in the mind of the Prophet well, what happened with them? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَحَاقَ بِالَّذِينَ سَخِرُوا مِنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسَّهْزِئُونَ فَحَاقَ بِالَّذِينَ سَخِرُوا مِنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسَّهْزِئُونَ Allah says that the same way and the things that they used to say and the way that they used to mock the prophets and the messengers of Allah, those same things would happen to them. Just as they would mock and jeer and torment the messengers of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would cause for them to be tormented in this life and the next. Tragedy would afflict them. The curse of Allah would come upon them. Those people who used to be ruined because of how they used to mock and tease and jeer and make fun of the messengers of Allah. Meaning Allah took care of them. Allah had took care of the messengers, Allah had their back. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, made an example out of those people who mocked and taunted and jeered and, and, and messed with the messengers of the past. So same way, you need to have that same trust and faith and reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know that Allah will take care of you. This is, this is the sunnah of Allah. This is a tradition of the prophets. This is part of the sunnah of the prophets. It's a tradition of the prophets. That they would be messed with by the people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would take care of them as a response of that. So this ayah was revealed at that time. Because as the Prophet ﷺ was walking by, it really bothered him. It troubled him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah to console the Prophet ﷺ. One other narration says, Allah revealed the ayah, وَلَقَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِّن قَبْلِكَ فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا Allah said that the messengers before you, O Muhammad, were rejected, were called liars. فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا But they were, they were patient in regards to being slandered and rejected and refused by their people. وَأُوذُوا And they were in fact, they were harmed. So their people rejected them, they were patient, they were steadfast, and then they were harmed. On top of that. But eventually, eventually, the time came where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, our help came to their rescue. 
There is no changing of the words of the proclamations of Allah. This is, this is the decree of Allah, the decision of Allah. There's no changing it. Allah will look after you and take care of you. That this is exactly why the stories of the prophets of the past have been related to you. This is why you have been told about the messengers of the past, so that you can find comfort, solace, inspiration, motivation, and steadfastness in their stories. And so this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was fortifying and reaffirming the Prophet ﷺ. There are some very, very tragic incidents um, that are related from this time period. One narration mentions of this particular time, that one time the Prophet of Allah وسلم, he one time the Prophet of Allah وسلم, was praying in the Kaaba, he was praying in the Haram. And Abu Jahl was sitting with some of the other leaders of Quraysh. And they started to kind of point at the Prophet and look at each other and start to kind of mock the Prophet. And one of them challenged Abu Jahl that I bet you wouldn't go and do something to him as he's praying over there. Remember, this is after the passing of Abu Talib. So Abu Jahl goes, Really, you're gonna challenge me? He said, Yeah, I challenge you. So the narration says that Abu Jahl gets up, goes to the Prophet. And takes like his scarf that he was wearing and he puts it around the neck of the Prophet ﷺ from behind and he starts to kind of choke him and strangle him. Abu Bakr who was there in the haram at that time comes and tackles Abu Jahl to the ground, knocks him to the ground. And other people were shocked at the same time by seeing just trying to strangle someone to death like that in public, just, just unprovoked. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, seizing the situation, he turned to everybody else who was sitting there, who was sitting there, and he said the words that were said by the mu'minun min ali fir'aun. وَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مُؤْمِنٌ مِنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ The Qur'an tells us that that believing man from the people of Fir'aun, when they threatened to kill Musa alayhi salam, that man stood up amongst his people, يَكْتُمُ إِيمَانَهُ He was hiding his faith in his iman. He had not disclosed to them, made it public that he had believed in the message of Musa salam. But when he heard them plotting and planning the assassination of Musa salam, he could no longer hold his tongue and he stands up amongst his people. And he says, أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيْنَةِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيْنَةِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ that are you, are you really trying to sit here and plot, plot and plan the murder, the killing of a man who just simply says that my Lord, my master is Allah and he has come to you with proofs and evidences backing that fact up. If he's lying, then let his lie be upon him. He'll be exposed for what he is. But if he is truthful, and you oppose him, and you reject him, and you try to kill him, and he is truthful in what he says, then what he has promised you, as an outcome of your choices and your actions, that will also come back to bite you. So you be very careful about what you're talking about doing here.
And so in that, even the tafsir of that surah, it tells us that when, they, when this man stood up, because he could no longer hold his tongue, and he stood up and he said this in front of his people, they killed him, they murdered him, they martyred him. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu stands up, pushes Abu Jahl aside, and he says, أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيْنَةِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ You want to kill this man just because he says, Allah is my Lord? And some of the scholars even explained that whether Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu had, you know, those ayat revealed or he had memorized that at that point or not. But this is from the virtues of some of these sahaba, that these are consistent qualities of faith and iman. That repeat themselves, manifest themselves in every generation of the ummah. At every time, at every place, there will be people of faith and iman who will stand up and defend the truth. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was one of those people. That the Qur'an like almost intuitively flows from his tongue. It's a quality of a person's iman. And so Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu defended the Prophet that one time. There's another narration yet about another incident that was also very unfortunate and very tragic of the same you know, nature that describes that one time the Prophet of Allah وسلم, was again, once again, he was praying in the haram and the Prophet of Allah went down into sujood. And again, there was this type of mocking and jeering and you know, kind of challenging one another. And Abu Jahl goes, and he scoops up the innards, like the intestines, the stomach, the innards of a camel. So right outside the haram, a camel must have been sacrificed or you know, slaughtered or whatever the case was. And so when they would cut an animal, again, when you typically slaughter or cut an animal, you, you know, when you cut it open, you take the innards and you remove them. So these innards of this camel had been removed. And I mean, we're talking about a camel here. If you've ever seen, you know, the, the innards of even a goat, and then a cow, and then imagine a camel. It's huge, and it's heavy, and it's quite disgusting. And so he goes and he scoops this up. And he comes inside the masjid, and the Prophet ﷺ is doing long extended sujood, praying to Allah, connecting with Allah, seeking comfort and solace in Allah, implementing the advice that he was given to by Allah. وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ Do sujood, pray to Allah. Fall down in sujood before Allah and Allah will heal your heart. Allah will remove your pain and your difficulty. So find comfort and solace in putting your head down on the ground before Allah. And so the Prophet ﷺ was doing that. And Abu Jahl goes, comes, and one narration says he actually sent somebody to go and grab these innards and come and dump them on the back of the Prophet ﷺ. So a couple of people walk in carrying them and they come and they dumped it, dumped it onto the back of the Prophet ﷺ. Al-Juzur. And when they did this, Al-Juzur. When they did this, it crushed the Prophet ﷺ under its weight. It was extremely heavy. And the Prophet ﷺ became pinned to the ground with this on his back, unable to get up and remove it. And then some of them started to laugh and point. And it started to become a scene. Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, she was a child at this time. She enters the masjid and sees her father pinned against the ground trying to get up. 
with these, the innards of the camel on his back, pinning him down. And everyone's laughing and pointing. And she rushes up, tears in her eyes, screaming. One narration actually mentions that she was screaming. What is wrong with you people? And she comes and she pushes on the innards to kind of like tilt them over a little bit. And the Prophet ﷺ is able to kind of get up and remove them from his back. And he gets up and he's completely, his clothes are ruined. They're filthy and they're dirty. Everyone's laughing and joking. He looks at the face of his innocent daughter who's crying and terrified and scared. And you can imagine how emotional somebody would be in that situation. And so the Prophet ﷺ is angry and he's frustrated and he's just upset. He's really troubled and bothered by this. So the narration says, and there are multiple narrations to this effect, that the Prophet of Allah ﷺ looked up to the sky and he made dua. And he said, oh Allah, look what they do to me. Look how they treat me. فَشَكَاهُمْ إِلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the Prophet ﷺ complained about them. And the narration says that Jibreel alayhi salam came down to the Prophet ﷺ. فَأَتَاهُ Jibreel. Jibreel alayhi salam came down to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. And remember how the Prophet ﷺ speaks about Jibreel alayhi salam. He said, I have two friends. Later on you would say, I have two friends. Two guys I can depend upon on the earth. And two people I can, two, two guys I can depend upon in the sky. And he said, the guys in the sky that I can depend upon are Jibreel and Mikael. And the guys that I can depend upon the earth are Abu Bakr wa Umar. So Jibreel alayhi salam had a very... The Prophet ﷺ had a very close relationship with Jibreel ﷺ, that, like that of friends, like that of brothers. So the Prophet, he says, Yes, O Messenger of Allah, what is wrong? I am here for you. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Look, look what they've done. Look at my daughter cry. What is wrong with these people? And so you can imagine as well, the displeasure of Allah that, 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 that descends Upon a person who does this to the Messenger of Allah, the family of the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and how furious even Jibreel, like the, even the angels of Allah, how how you know they would be willing to do anything, how they would snap to the command of Allah subhanahu wa taala to do something to somebody who would treat the Messenger of Allah in this way and incur the wrath and the anger of Allah, and so Jibreel alayhi salam points to Walid bin Mughira. And this part's very interesting, very fascinating, and also kind of scary. And what this does is, this shows us the status of the Messenger of Allah in the eyes of Allah. And what somebody invites upon themselves when they behave this way with the Messenger of Allah. Jibreel points to Walid bin Mughira. فَأَشَارَ إِلَىٰ أَبْجَلِهِ The narration says that he points to his, his leg. He points to, Jibreel points to the leg of Walid bin Mughira. He looks at the Prophet ﷺ, he looks over at Walid bin Mughira and he points to his leg. And he says, كُفِيتَهُ 
He's been taken care of on your behalf. Then he points to Aswad bin Al-Muttalib. And he points to his neck. And he says, Kufitahu. He's been taken care of for you. Then he points to Aswad bin Abd Yaghuth. And he points to his head. This is that whole little clique, that group, that gang, those bullies. He points to this man, Aswad bin Abd Yaghuth, and he points to his head. And he says, Kufitahu, Jibreel alayhi salam. To the Prophet He says, he's been taken care of for you. Then he points to Al-Harith bin Aital. And he points to his stomach, his belly. And he says, Kufitahu, he's been taken care of for you. And then they start to walk. Then he tells the Prophet walk with me, O Messenger of Allah. Walk with me, Ya Rasulullah. And they start to walk. And he passes by Al-As bin Wa'il. And he points to his, um, he points to his neck. And he says, he's kufitahu, he's been taking care of for you. The narration says, not too long after that, Walid bin Mughira was passing by, was just walking around, taking care of business. You know, just a day, normal day. Just walking around. And somebody was sitting and fitting and adjusting his bow and arrow. Somebody was sitting and fitting and adjusting. You know, kind of like cleaning your gun. This is Texas, right? So, everyone, all the Muslims are like, oh, brother, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? So, so there's a man sta- sitting there adjusting and fixing and, you know, his bow and arrow. And guess what happened? It slipped. It slips from his hand. And Walid bin Mughira is walking by and it strikes him, it hits him in his leg. The femoral artery, it hits him in his leg. And he literally falls and he bleeds out. He falls to the ground and he bleeds out there onto the ground. Narration goes on to explain that Aswad bin Abd Yahuth, he had pointed to his head. He ends up developing some type of like, almost like a, like some type of a, a sore or a wound or um, almost, uh, what's the word I'm like, like a tumor. He develops like some type of a tumor or a boil, a boil on his head. He develops a boil on his head, disgusting and gross. And it becomes effect, infected and he dies from it shortly thereafter. Aswad bin Al-Muttalib, he goes blind. He goes blind. And what the narration says is that he one day is sitting in his garden under a tree, in the shade of the tree. He's just kind of sitting there in his garden, leaning against the tree, just kind of enjoying himself. And he calls out to his family. He says, Ya Bunaya, Ya Baniya. He says, Where are my children? Come here, hurry, hurry. Why aren't you helping me? And they're sitting, watching him. They're looking at him, just kind of sitting there, chilling, relaxing, leaning against the tree. Nobody's around him. And he's saying, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you helping me? And he's freaking out. And they're like, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with you. He says, قُتِلْتُ, قُتِلْتُ. I'll be killed, I'll be murdered. And they were saying, We don't see anything. What are you talking about? And he keeps on screaming. And he keeps saying, يَا بَنِيَ لَا تَمْنَعُونَ عَنِّي Why aren't you defending me? He says, I, I, I'm going to die. 
And they keep telling him, we don't see anything going on. Why are you freaking out? And he says, I feel. He says, I feel like somebody is taking thorns and literally pushing them into my eyeballs. I can feel like somebody's taking needles, like thorns from this tree, and they're pushing them into my eyeballs. You, it, it, again, it's a very scary thought, but just try to imagine how much a person would scream and flop around and squirm if you pin somebody down and pushed a needle into their eyeball. How much would a person scream and yell and flop around? That's what this man was doing, just sitting there in his garden. And, and nobody's near him. And he keeps screaming and screaming and screaming. And everyone's kind of standing around him like, what do we do? What do we do? There's nobody here. Why are you freaking out? And then finally it mentions that, فَلَمْ يَزَلْ They kept saying, مَا نَرَى شَيْئًا مَا نَرَى شَيْئًا فَلَمْ يَزَلْ This kept on going for a long time. For a few hours this lasted. This man just keeps writhing on the ground, screaming and yelling. Fading in and out of consciousness. And his family just standing around them, just kind of like, you know, biting on their fingers like, we don't know what to do. There's nobody here. You're just freaking out for no reason. كَذَلِكَ حَتَّى عَمِيَتْ عَيْنَهُ Until eventually when it finally ended and subsided, everything finally subsided, everything finally ended, he gets up and he says, I can't see anything. He went blind. Al-Harith bin Aital. Jibreel pointed to his belly and he said, He's been taken care of for you. The narration says that he developed some type of, you know, a disease. It's I don't know what the exact, you know, modern day medical equivalent of that would be. The Arabic itself says, فَأَخَذَهُ الْمَاءُ الْأَصْفَرِ فِي بَطْنِهِ He got yellow water in his belly. Allah knows best exactly what that means exactly. But nevertheless, he developed some type of illness in his stomach. حَتَّى خَرَجَ خُرْؤُهُ مِنْ فِيهِ It says he eventually got so bad that he wasn't able to hold any food down. He would just vomit and vomit and vomit and vomit. And that kept going on, فَمَاتَ minha, And he died from it. وَأَمَّا الْعَاصْ بِنْ وَائِلْ فَبَيْنَمَا هُوَ كَذَلِكَ يَوْمًا إِذْ دَخَلَ فِي رَأْسِهِ شِبْرِقَةٌ حَتَّى إِمْتَلَأَتْ مِنْهَا فَمَاتَ مِنْهَا About Al-Aas bin Wa'il, it describes that he was just normal, walking around, minding his own business. And then he got struck in the head with something like a, a thorny branch or something like that. He got struck in the head and it gave him a wound in his head and it eventually you know, became infected and infested until he eventually died from that wound in his head. And the narration describes that this happened with all of these people in the same way. So these are some very tragic incidents that occurred in the aftermath of the passing of Khadija radiallahu anha, the passing of Abu Talib, the Prophet ﷺ being grief-stricken, and these people decided that they didn't want to let up. These people decided that they didn't want to stop what they were doing. So they started mocking the Prophet ﷺ, teasing the Prophet ﷺ, troubling the Prophet ﷺ. And 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of them in this fashion, in this manner that we just talked about. Similarly, at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, it comforted the Prophet ﷺ through different means, came to the rescue of the Prophet of Allah ﷺ. So some of the narrations actually describe this, that the Prophet of Allah ﷺ in one of these incidents and occasions, where they were like pushing him around and physically taunting him and mocking him and ridiculing him and his, you know, his, his, his children are crying yet seeing this. He's already heartbroken and then they just will not let up, they will not stop. Then one day the Prophet of Allah wasallam was just very, just upset and very angry. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, Inna Qurayshan lamma sta'asat ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa abtahu anil islam. That one day when they just would not let up, forget about believing, they just would not let up off the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They just kept going at him, non-stop. That the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looks up to the sky and he makes dua. And he says, Allahumma inni alayhim bi sab'in ka sab'i Yusuf. He says, oh Allah, help me against them. Help me against them. Bisab'in kasab'i Yusuf. With seven years of drought, just like the seven years of drought that were given at the time of Yusuf alayhi salam. So the Prophet of Allah says this. The narration says, فَأَصَابَتْهُمْ sanatun." A drought occurred that year. And severe famine came upon them. فَحَصَّدْ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ Everything, all their food and water resources became exhausted. حَتَّى أَكَلُوا الْجِيفَ وَالْمَيْتَ And eventually such circumstances came upon the people of Mecca that they began to eat carrion, dead animals. That it got so bad, animals were even dying and dropping dead, that if they would come across and walk across a camel that had dropped dead and died a day ago, from the heat and the drought and the famine, that they would see that and they would basically go there, cut up the animal and eat an animal that had been lying around dead for days. They started eating dead, rotting animals. حَتَّى إِنَّ أَخَذَهُمْ حَتَّى إِنَّ أَحَدَهُمْ كَانَ يَرَامَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ سَمَائِكَ هَيَّةِ الدُّخَانِ مِنَ الْجُوعِ And that's what it talks about that some of them, such severe starvation and hunger and famine and malnutrition came upon these people that it was almost like a cloud was hanging over them. It was affecting them. The whole society was in crisis. But the narration says that Abu Sufyan comes to the Prophet of Allah And with him there was a delegation from the people of Mecca. And he comes to the Prophet and he says, Ya Muhammad, he says, O Muhammad, innaka taz'umu annaka bu'itta rahmatan. He goes, let me get this straight. You've been telling us that you've been sent as a mercy upon mankind. Wa inna qawmaka qad halaku. And your people are dying and suffering, they're dying like animals in the streets. Make dua for them. Ask your God to alleviate this suffering. I mean, it's really bizarre. 
It's really, really ajeeb. Reminds you of the story of Musa alayhi salam, when Fir'aun comes to him, فَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهُ تُوفَانَ وَالْجَرَادَ وَالْقُمَّلَ وَالْضَفَادِعَ وَالْدَّمَ آيَاتِمُ فَالصَّلَاةِ that when these different tests and trials came upon Fir'aun and his people, locusts and frogs and blood and all of these things came upon them, Fir'aun used to come to Musa salam and say, Oh Musa, please ask your Lord, your Rabb, to remove this suffering from the people. So Abu Sufyan comes to the Prophet and says, Your people are suffering, make dua for them. And of course, the Prophet of Allah was extremely merciful. فَدَعَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ so the Prophet made dua for them. He said, Oh Allah, please alleviate, remove their suffering. And narration says it immediately started to rain. And it rained for seven days straight. It rained for seven days straight. It had been a famine, a very severe drought and famine. So it rained for days and days and days and days. And now these people come back to the Prophet ﷺ. They, they, they ridicule, they mock, they torture, they persecute. But when it comes to like asking for favors, Burger King, right? Have it your way. They keep coming back over and over again. They come back to the Prophet ﷺ and what do they say? Now they say, oh, you know what? It's raining a little too much. You think you could adjust it just a little? Ajib. They're saying it, it's raining too much. And that's when the Prophet ﷺ made the dua, which is a prophetic dua and supplication taught to us by the Prophet ﷺ, that is a dua that can be made when it rains very severely. That the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Allahumma hawalayna. Which literally translates to, Oh Allah, around us, not on top of us. Oh Allah, around us, not on top of us. Which is an Arabic expression for saying, Oh Allah, make it rain for our benefit. Don't make it rain to destroy us. Don't destroy us through the rain, but make it rain in a form that is beneficial for us. فَانْحَدْرَتِ السَّحَبَةُ عَنْ رَأْسِهِ فَسُقِيَ النَّاسُ حَوْلَهُمْ And subhanAllah, the narration says that the, the rain started to move, the clouds started to push aside from on top of the head of the Prophet ﷺ. So the whole sky was covered with these like rain clouds, heavy clouds. And all of a sudden the clouds started to break open from the spot where the Prophet ﷺ was standing. And it kept opening from there. Until it finally the rain clouds went a little bit outside of the, you know, the, the, the urban area of Makkah. Where the fields and the pastures were. And that's why the extended narration of the dua, the Prophet ﷺ says, Allahumma alal akami wadhirabi wa butun al awdiyati wa manabit al shajari. That the Prophet of Allah ﷺ said, Oh Allah, make it roll on the, excuse me, make it rain on the pastures, the fields. Al akam, on the pastures and fields. Wa dhirab, O Allah, make it rain upon the hills and the mountains. Wa butun al awdiyati, O Allah, make it rain within the inside part of the valley. Wa manabit al shajari, O Allah, make it rain on the roots of the trees. So that the trees will, rain, will grow. But remove the head from the, remove the rain from the heads of the people. So that their neighborhoods and their homes and things like that don't get flooded. Their homes don't come caving in. Their roofs don't fall in. And the rain literally parted. The clouds parted outside. And it rained outside of Mecca in the mountains and in the valleys and in the fields and the pastures. Until all, everything was restored. 
And that's where the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, in narrating the story, he says, then he recited. Actually, when relating the story, when he tells this part of the story, he recited the ayah from the Qur'an, إِنَّا كَاشِفُ الْعَذَابِ قَلِيلًا إِنَّكُمْ عَائِدٌ إِنَّا كَاشِفُ الْعَذَابِ قَلِيلًا That we are removing the punishment for you for just a little. Meaning, you've been given right now, but this is temporary. إِنَّكُمْ عَائِدُونَ Because you people are gonna go right back to doing what you did before. And that's exactly what happened. When they got the rain, and then they complained about the rain being too much, and that was adjusted to, they went right back to persecuting, and taunting, and mocking, and killing, and torturing, and tormenting. They went right back to business. And that's where Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he does tafsir, he gives his own thoughts and reflections. He says, let me tell you what happened. فَعَادُوا فَكَفَرُوا They did go back to doing what they did before, and they continued to persist in their disbelief and rejection towards the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa towards Islam. فَأُخِرُوا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And their punishment was removed from them only till the day of resurrection. In another narration, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, فَأُخِرُوا إِلَى يَوْمِ بَدْرِ their punishment was removed from them till the day of Badr, the battle of Badr, which we will eventually talk about. What does he mean by that? That the punishment was halted upon them till the day of Badr. When we study the battle of Badr, we'll better understand what that means. And then he said, either about the day of judgment or even on the day of Badr, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, يَوْمَ نَبْطِشُ الْبَطَشَةَ الْكُبَرَىٰ إِنَّا مُنْتَقِمُونَ that be very weary and be very careful that a day is coming that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said we will snatch you, we will grab you with a very terrible reckoning we will snatch you, we will grab you, we will crush you with a terrible attack a huge attack we will avenge we will avenge uh, you, for basically we will, it's very interesting, intiqam means like to avenge something. And, and what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying? What do you mean we will avenge? It's kind of an Arabic expression, a strong expression for saying, you will get the consequences, you will, you will reap what you've sown. It's an Arabic expression for saying you will reap what you've sown. But at the same time, it also has that very literal meaning to it, that we will avenge the honor and the dignity and the... the, the the uh, the honor and the dignity and the respect of the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alaihi You abuse him, you curse him, you harm him, you mock him, you ridicule him, you torment him, you persecute him, and the believers. Oh, it won't go unrewarded. You'll get exactly what you got coming to you. You'll you'll get exactly what you deserve. Inna muntaqimun. And so this also occurred at that time, shortly after the, the passing of you know, Khadija and Abu Talib, and that these events were occurring. So one of the other narrations from uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, he says that, Abu Sufyan ila Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi Abu Sufyan, when he came to the Prophet sallallahu saying, please make dua for rain, people are dying. He said, لِأَنَّهُمْ لَمْ يَجِدُوا شَيْحًا لِأَنَّهُمْ لَمْ يَجِدُوا شَيْئًا حَتَّى very shocking. He said, because such a situation had come upon these people, that they were literally taking wool. They would take wool. 
like the, the, the wool from a sheep, they would take wool and they would dip it in blood, they would cook it on top of fire, and then they would eat that. That's the situation they had reached. And so the Prophet of Allah made dua for them, and of course that was removed and alleviated as we talked about. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this in the Quran, وَلَقَدَ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ وَلَقَدَ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ In Surah, surah Al-Mu'minun, Surah number 23, Allah says, we, we snatched them, we afflicted them, we punished them, we sent a punishment upon them. فَمَسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ but it did not change their, the way that they perceived their Lord. It had no impact and no effect on them. They did not humble themselves before their Lord. It had no effect on them. Such a terrible punishment where they're eating wool. They're drinking blood of animals, dead animals. I mean, think about how depraved a person has to be, how desperate a person has to be to do something like that. But it did not affect them spiritually in the least bit. Finally, all of this is going on. You know, the, the, they go through all this difficulty and adversity. The Prophet ﷺ is so compassionate, so merciful, that he makes dua for them even. But even at this time, you know, they once again go back to what they were doing before. They go right back to their unfortunate practices of, you know, taunting the Prophet ﷺ, mocking the believers, tormenting them, torturing them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled the Prophet of Allah ﷺ once again by telling the Prophet of Allah ﷺ in the Qur'an, this is from the end of Surah Al-Hijr. This is from the conclusion of Surah Al-Hijr where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at the end of that surah about this difficulty that he's facing with these people. He told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said, تُؤْمَرُوا وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ بِمَا تُؤْمَرُ you stick to, you keep doing what you've been told to do. These people who associate partners to Allah, just ignore them. These people that mock you and make fun of you, we will take care of them for you on your behalf. We will take care of them for you on your behalf. These people who make other partners and deities with Allah, you know what's the significance of this in ayah number 96 of this surah? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this is surah number 15, ayah number 96, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet that they associate other partners with Allah, why does the, Allah mention that? What is relevant to the context here? Allah is telling the Prophet that look how offensive they are towards Allah. Allah created them, Allah feeds them, Allah sustains them, Allah protects them, Allah has given them everything that they have, and they only turn around to associate partners to Allah. They disrespect Allah. So don't be shocked by the fact that they disrespect you. These people have no respect. These people have no dignity and honor. They disrespect Allah. So of course they disrespect you. 
These people associate partners with Allah. But don't worry, very soon, very soon these people will come to realize. Soon enough. Rather, Sofa is like, soon enough, soon enough, these people will come to realize what they've done. And then Allah says something truly beautiful to the Prophet ﷺ. He says, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ That we know, without a doubt, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ We know for a fact, we know without a doubt, أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ That your chest becomes tightened. That it troubles you, it bothers you, it disturbs you, it upsets you, what these people say. But how do you, that, that we understand. And so just in and of itself here, again, I'm gonna come back to that same point. Allah acknowledges the pain of the Prophet ﷺ. We should not talk down to people who suffer, who struggle. We shouldn't be high and mighty with people who are going through difficulty. Who are dealing with adversity. If they're a little down in the dumps. If they're a little bit, you know, affected by it. If they're a little frustrated by it. Don't, don't talk high and mighty to people. Brother, you should have iman. You should have tawakkul. This is a weakness in faith. Really? Is that what Allah told the Prophet ﷺ? Is that what Allah told the Prophet ﷺ? No, He said, no, I understand your pain. Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ, I understand your pain. I recognize your pain. I justify your pain. I acknowledge it. I understand. It is validated by Allah. And we have to understand that. So if we ever are dealing with adversity and difficulty, know that, understand, believe that Allah knows our pain. He understands our suffering. He validates the fact that yes, I am in grief, I am in sadness, I am in sorrow, I am in difficulty, I am troubled by something. And if you ever have the opportunity to be there for somebody else, don't talk down to them, don't be high and mighty to them, don't preach to them. Don't preach to them. But put an arm around their shoulder and say, I know it's difficult. It's okay, I understand. It's alright. وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ But after acknowledging the pain and the suffering, how do you remedy it? How do you fix it? These people are going to keep doing what they're doing, but how can I personally recover from this? فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ Praise and glorify your Lord. Seek comfort and solace with Allah. Say the name of Allah. Share a private intimate moment with Allah. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ in falling to sujood before Allah. Pray. Wa'abud Rabbak. Worship your Lord. Hatta ya'tiya Until reality comes to you. The truth comes to pass. The reality comes to you. And in the Arabic language, it's also an expression of, you know, passing away and leaving this world. And basically what Allah is very subtly telling the Prophet not explicitly because this isn't the time. But very subtly, what Allah is implying to the Prophet ﷺ is, you have the station of nubuwa, of prophethood. This comes with a little difficulty. And this difficulty might not end today or even tomorrow. You might continue to deal with adversity and difficulty till your last day. 
Because that's a sacrifice that needs to be made for the guidance of mankind. But you keep praying and worshipping to Allah. Allah will be there for you. Allah will take care of you. Allah will heal your wounds. Allah will strengthen your heart and your resolve. You keep putting your head down before Allah because every time you touch your forehead to the ground, when you lift it back up, your heart has been healed. Your heart has been strengthened. Your resolve has been restored. So you keep doing that. Until finally it's your time to go back and meet with Allah. And then it'll all be worth the trouble. The lesson from today, the primary lesson that I want us to take from today's seerah class, is understanding that in following in the footsteps of the Prophet ﷺ, as believers, as advocates, as representatives, propagators of the message of Rasulullah ﷺ, the life of the Prophet ﷺ, the character of the Prophet ﷺ, we also have to understand and realize. We ask Allah for afiyah. He always told us to ask Allah, the Prophet ﷺ always taught us to ask Allah for peace and comfort and protection from difficulty and adversity. We don't sit here and ask Allah for difficulty. But at the same time, as believers, especially when we decide to stand up and represent and preach and teach the message of the Prophet ﷺ to all of mankind and humanity and be representatives of the legacy of Rasulullah ﷺ, we also have to be aware, be conscious of the fact this will come with some sacrifices. But I'm okay with that. Because my beloved messenger Muhammad Rasulullah sacrificed and suffered a lot more than what I'm dealing with. And he stood tall and he stood strong. And Allah was there for him. I'm also going to stand strong and stand tall. And I will lean on the same resources, I will take advantage of the same resources that Allah blessed the Prophet with. I will pray to Allah. I will bow my head down before Allah. I will worship Allah, praise and glorify Allah. And Allah will get me through the difficulty till I can finally, on that day, I can leave this world with the good news. While being, I will be leaving this world, departing this world, while being congratulated by angels and malaika of entrance into the gardens of paradise. The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being proclaimed for me throughout the heavens and the earth. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay strong until that time comes. We all are proud to call ourselves the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But you know, any worthwhile position comes with a little bit of responsibility and a little bit of sacrifice. Let's try to remember that the next time we have an opportunity to invest a little something, to come closer to Allah, to be, like, to be more like Muhammad Rasulullah to help humanity and mankind recognize Allah and His Messenger May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that's been said and heard. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum.